Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every week I sit down for a gorgeous conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. On today's episode, I'm joined by Gabrielle Union, where I ask her, Do you know how much I love you? Since this is only like our second time really spending time together, Game of Thrones being the first, I'm just really excited to see you and it's been a long time. Welcome to the show. Literally, Gabrielle Union, how are you? I'm so good. I'm so, I don't know. I'm relieved. I'm, I'm happy. I'm excited about this book and the reaction. And as people are getting, you know, reading it and or listening to the audible and getting the feedback, I'm, I'm kind of like energized. So this is good. It's a good time right now. Oh my God. It was so good. Like, congratulations. This book is literally everything. So this is an essay book, which we're obsessed with. Um, it's called You Got Anything Stronger. And I love that title. I find myself saying that to my husband about alcoholic beverages a lot, you know, in the pandemic, everything, you know, shut down, you were there. How did you go about deciding what you wanted to write about? Did the title just like come to you? Tell us everything. (laughs) Anything liquor related just sort of comes to me. Um, sort of my wheelhouse. So when I, when I was trying to figure out what exactly I wanted to focus on, I kind of went back to the first book. We're going to need more wine. See the theme. Do you see there's a, Mm -hmm. there's an overarching theme here. Um, and what I left out, Uh, of that book and why. And there were a lot of chapters that I didn't include in that first book because I just wasn't ready to talk about them in any sort of real or impactful way. I was like, I was fine to put them in the book, but I didn't want to face anyone. I didn't want to, you know, do press about certain chapters or face the public, you know, talking about certain things. So that to me was a sign, "Mm, perhaps, bitch, you're not ready. So I left those out. Four years go by, my my daughter is born uh, via gestational carrier. I get a lot more therapy and I realize I have a lot more to say and I'm ready to say it. I'm healed enough to say it. I have enough perspective um, to be able to to speak impactfully about some of the, you know, the the tougher, uh, you know, things, issues that we all face. I think that's beautiful. And I also think that a lot of times when we think about those like things that we define as like tougher issues to face, it's like for us in our lives and in our families, it's like, this is what our life is. Brene Brown, I was talking to her this one time. God, I'm so full of name jobs today. Who am I? I love it. I'm here for all of that. But what I was, I was working on some stuff and she was like, well, can you talk about your trauma without becoming your trauma? And I realized that I was explaining to her about something that was already in my book. And very similarly, I kind of wrote my book And then I was like, after I wrote, I was like, I thought writing was going to be the hardest part. Hello, new to being a public figure part. And then when it came out, I was like, oh God, this is really hard. I'm like talking about it so much. And maybe I published a book before I was ready to fully talk about (laughs) certain aspects of it. Who knew? So I think that's so grown, so smart of you to know that that's kind of where you were. Um, And so because you had taken some essays from your previous book. Did you find that like your writing style had changed or your writing process had changed? Or did you feel like you found your voice more in this book? Yeah, because I was unafraid. So this book felt like pure liberation, pure freedom. The first book was just laden with fear. You know, um, it's like fear is sort of dripping off every page because I'm so concerned about how it's going to be received. With this book, I very much lean into my truth is my truth and it's not going to change just based on somebody's reaction and how you respond to my truth or how you receive my truth is none of my business. So 
you know, you kind of get to the point of like, I cannot be, uh, you know, beholden to outside validation, whether it's good, bad, whether they acknowledge that you even wrote anything at all, um, or if they love you, you know what I mean? You can't be beholden to that. So I wanted to be beholden to radical transparency and talking about issues that are often not talked about, which then, you know, means that there's, there's a lack of community for those of us who deal with these things. Cause you're like, I'm searching online. I'm like, who else has gone through this? And it's like crickets. And I'm like, okay, hold up. I know I'm not the only one. So in talking about these, you know, these things and writing about these things, um, you realize how desperate we all are to be seen and understood and to build community, to share resources. But we have to have the conversation first, which means the truth is kind of going to be required to get to, you know, the finish line. What a beautiful sentiment to be beholden to radical transparency. Chills on my triceps. Get out of here. What were you, but don't really, because we're loving you. But um, what what were some of those things that you were ready to talk about this time be vulnerable about this time that maybe you weren't ready to last time? Um, the, you know, the, 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 the depths of despair that, that were, that I was walking hand in hand with, um, during my surrogacy and fertility journey. Um, I, I sort of, I mean, there's no lighthearted way of speaking about multiple miscarriages, but when you add in additional relationship trauma, um, that just broke me and knocked me on my ass, it absolutely impacted my fertility journey and the decision to, to go the surrogacy route. It was fraught with heartbreak and brokenness and um, just feeling numb and adrift. And to not be clear about that, uh, yeah, I, it just wasn't an option. So this time around, I was healed enough. Um, and I also recognize the importance of all the, all the doors that are opened from being honest about mm. this, you know what I mean? Even saying something like, you know, I'll never know if my husband would love me more or respect me more if I would have been able to physically birth our child. I don't know if my daughter would love me more or respect me more. Um, if our bond would be closer, if I had physically birthed my child, no one talks about any sort of insecurity like that. It's like, Oh, we had a rough time, but then God blessed us with our angel. And now everything is great. It's like, yeah, I know you guys, we've been crying on the floor together and you're doing a disservice to, you know, your, your fans or your friends or your family or your listeners or what have you by not, really, truly being honest about the whole journey. Um, and for me, if I probably shouldn't have talked about any part of the journey, if I wasn't going to be able to be um, completely transparent and open about the, the, the whole journey. That's kind of, wow. Thank you for being so strong and being willing to share it and being willing to be open about that journey. Cause I literally can't understand. I don't, literally can't do it. Uh, and wow, I just think you're such a brilliant person. And I also think, because I didn't know any of this about you when we first met. And 
true or false, this is kind of hard left. You're someone who processes your trauma by being fucking hilarious. You, you, cause you are one of the funniest people. Like you are really like so hilarious. I don't think anyone's ever like taken me out at the knees with being so funny. Like I literally lost my balance trying to do gay of throws with you because you <laughs> are so fucking funny. Like I was not ready. Um, but is that true? I feel like you do process some of your, your pain with humor. I, yeah, I mean, some of it, yes. <laughs> some is just not funny. But there's a lot with perspective and time and distance and healing where you can find some of the humor in that. Um, you know, I was telling this story last night at, at our book stop in Atlanta about this guy I used to date after my fo- my friend who moderated that book stop told me he was a fuckboy. Um, I, you know, I, I'd gotten divorced and I was like, this is my, you know, Dead Sea Scrolls of, you know, dicks I wanted in my life. I'm like, <laughs> um, anything, anybody you want to you know, help me zero in on over here. And he was like, yeah, 99.99% of this list, they're like fuck boys. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, exactly. And I would like that with a side of bacon, please. Um, And I was talking about this, uh, this, this, time that we were in Mexico and we're eating and it was uh, all you can eat lobster and, and margaritas, which is like my personal heaven. And so I'm going to fucking town. I'm, I'm inhaling lobster <laughs> after lobster, margarita after margarita. And he, I look up and he throws his napkin from his lap over my food and says enough, enough. But I was so broken and I had such low self-esteem I was like, you right, you right, I, I have had enough. And you could just hear the audience like, oh, you know, because I guess people don't think of me as someone who would take that sort of thing. And I certainly was somebody who took that sort of thing, um, which is funny now, not so funny then. What um, is wrong with these fuckers? That reminds <laughs> me of this time when I went to this Dodgers game and I was inhaling that like helmet of the fries and I was on a date with this guy and I looked up from like having my face covered in the fries because I was like, <gasps> like eating the fries and he was like, you're embarrassing me. I was dev and was like, I went and I took the, the thing of fries that weren't even halfway done. 1150 for fries was a lot for me then threw it away, didn't even finish. These fuckers, I swear to God, I did not mean to like go in on that story, but like, wow, these fuckers, I, the nerves. Because those fries are fucking delicious. <laughs> and just thinking about it, like, just thinking about it just now, I'm like, ooh, I gotta get to a Dodger game. <laughs> I want fries. Those fries of those nachos at Dodger Stadium are next level in the Dodger dogs. See, there's like, I feel like there's a food thing that we have, you know, between us that we, we like it a lot. I love it. I love so much. I don't know why I love so much. Okay, wait, now I'm veering back on track because sometimes I feel like when I talk about things that are like real, then I have this like part that comes in to like be funny because I'm like, oh my God. And then I'm like, okay, let's go back in. So I feel like you said therapy. There was like, you did a lot of like personal work on yourself in order to be ready to share some of these stories. Also, you know, we didn't get to talk about it during uh, Game of Thrones, but what's it What's it like to have the hottest husband of all time? Like he's like, you know, he's the, you know, that wasn't really a question that I like wrote down here, but I just figured we're being like the hottest, like, how does it feel to know that like you single foot landed that triple axle? Like you, you did that. Yeah. Uh, he's pretty, he's very pretty. And, and, and I mean, and as hot as he is, 
And I, I literally every morning he gets up and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> like a creep. Um, true story. Cause sometimes he's like, okay, all right. I do that to mine too. No, he's, he's yummy. And he's, you know, done the work and he's gone to therapy and got healed. And, you know, you, you get to, you know, years down the line and you're like, okay, hurt people, hurt people. Okay. Got it. Um, you know, you can tell, you can tell that y'all have like a, as Stan Tackin would call it, who invented that like packed therapy, which I'm obsessed with, who y'all said, I'm getting curious. This is like a secure functioning relationship. Like you can tell. Today. Today. Yes. And we, we fought for that and we work for that. And it's like a daily choice to, to, to make sure that we are on point. Um, but he's so much happier now. He is a happy, joyous glass, half full spilling over, even when it's bone dry and there's cobwebs in the glass, he's just happier. And, you know, and there's days where I'm like, that's a lot of fucking joy. Okay. It's a lot of fucking joy. <laughs> Who bounces out of bed like Tigger every morning, 6 a.m., gonna go work at, uh, and I'm like, okay, okay. I, um, I, I suffer from that affliction. I don't know why, I don't know why we're, sometimes people are just like morning people. Is it like once 8.30 at night comes around, is he just like asleep? Around 10. Um, but that's oh. both of us. We're like, but I, it takes me so long to like warm up. I am not a morning person. Like, unless there's a lot of money at stake, I, mm. I just, why, why are we starting so early? What is happening at this hour? I just feel so on. It's the coffee too. Like I wake up at like 5.30 and like, I just, I'm like coffee. And like, I just love coffee so much that it like, it's like how my dog used to love wet food. Like the vet <laughs> said she was going to die when she was seven and she, cause she was so overweight, but she loved her wet food so much. She literally lived to be 12 because she like, Loved. And actually, this is like a devastating story about Ginny, but I'll tell you, not that you asked. But my dad is, my my biological dad is so cheap that when she died and he took her to like go be cremated, like they charged by the pound. And he said she was 90 pounds. Honey, she was like 120. So when we got her back and we were like sprinkling her like as a family, my poor brother, whose dog she was, he like undid the little, and it was like chunks. Like I saw metatarsals and stuff. There was like, no, like I could see her little like puppy well, she was 13, but her little foot bones, because my dad was so cheap. Did I, That's like a really sad story. I don't know why I went there. I don't know why I told but it's true. It happened. My dad was just like such a cheap nightmare. And Ginny was like a lover of food. And I just love fat dogs. And I don't know. I don't know why I told you that story. I, I didn't I mean, mean if, to. If that I, is it, devastating and also like diabolically really fucking funny. It's terrible. It's terrible. We just put our dog down. Um, and we had a doggy funeral that like all of our friends and family attended and including all of the vet techs and her vet. And I mean, like we had a whole thing. There were singers like that's, this is what we do. Um, there was a program. Pink lived to be 16. She was a all like laid hands on her as she, you know, crossed over. And, and, you know, we were like, if there's any, if you didn't have a chance to say goodbye to someone that has crossed over, send those messages with pink now. And so then of course, everyone is bawling and, and she just, and we had all of, we had five dogs and the other four were assembled, you know, just there watching and, you know, being able to have like that closure, but yeah, like we didn't spare any expenses. And I can't, I mean, yeah, that's one of those things that if, if you can't, if you can't really commit to the full price, uh, the Groupon cremation for your pet is probably 
not going to get the job. Yeah, done. my dad um, just said, I mean, this was way before Groupon. This was like 2002, three, maybe. Yeah, tighter than a bark on the tree. My poor dad. God love him. He's gotten a little better with age, but fuck me sideways. I got to say, losing a pet, so sad. I, I Sometimes I joke, I'm like, honey, I'm like an HIV positive person who like survived abuse and survived drugs. And the two times I lost a cat was like the top two most traumatic things that's ever happened to me. Like, and I've been through some shit. Like, but it's, and they just, you, they're so sweet and you just love them so much. And that is how I ended up with 11 animals. Cause when one passes away, I replace it with two. So it's my Charlotte's web rule. So, and now my husband said that we can't do that anymore because, um, we have 11 animals. Obviously, like your family and your stepdaughter, like love, uh, like, like just chills. Like I love how you love her and I love how you guys celebrate her as a family. And like, is there, Anything that comes up for you that you like want to talk about or that like feels good and like just are you just like so proud and you guys are just you guys just your family seems just so like that is the world that I want us to live in. Like that's the goal. And you guys just she's so celebrated. She's so stunning. I love how you write about her and her coming to terms with like what feminine means for her. Like, is there anything that like because it's like I don't want to say it's like I want this to be the norm. I don't want this to be something that's like something I like, I just want to be like, yeah, that's like what families do. It's like, we just celebrate our gender expression. And it's like, it's like Tuesday, it's Wednesday. You know, is there, is there, what do you think needs to happen for us to get there? Or like not us, but what can parents do? That was like a really broad question, but is there anything just like pisses you off as like a mommy or something <laughs> you wish that we could do better I mean, well, yeah, that's a whole other podcast, but there's a lot, um, but getting out of this notion that your kids have to be mirror images of you and everything that you've done to be worthy of love, respect, protection, compassion, opportunities, and in any deviation from what you did or, or from being completely assimilated into, you know, whatever, whatever, um, they just won't make it and they won't be deserving of making it, of being of being their best, most authentic selves um, and living out loud with, without having to constantly shape shift to be something for bigots. Um, but it starts with your home and your home cannot be just as as evil as the rest of the world may be. Your home has to be the sanctuary. And for, for, you know, in our house, do we have a ton of experience with this? No, but our child is just, her, her peace is non-negotiable. So we got to catch up and figure it out. And our first order of business was anyone that is, comes to this house, you need to be with the program. And if you have shit to say, negative, any quips, quotes, quibbles, you can say that shit from across the street because you will no longer be allowed here. Like our child's peace is non-negotiable. And if you're, if you're not with it, you're just not going to be a part of our life. And we, you know, hate to see you go, but we're just opening up more space for more love and, and better folks that are more supportive of, our family existing as the way they exist. Um, but we'd also get a lot from parents who in their minds really feel like they're trying and they say things like, I just can't love her like that, or I just can't love him 
like that. And we're like, sure you can. Um, <laughs> but we realize sometimes you have to see it to understand that you can be it, that you don't need all the answers. You don't need to be an encyclopedia for, you know, the LGBTQ plus, you know, community. You can be like, you know what? I don't know, but let's find out together. But I love you and I will never leave your side, you know, forevermore. And we're going to be in this together, you know, and that's, that's just basic. That's just day one. Right. Um, we, I just wish more people valued our children um, and we didn't force them to be something that they're just not, you know, and calling it protection, you know, controlling your child, their very identity, their very existence is not protecting them. It's controlling them. And we need to understand that difference. Um, and I, and I get that for certainly for, for children of, of color, you know, our, you know, our, our parents, you know, our parents, we feel like in order to protect our children from, you know, white, white supremacy and all of these things, you know, historically speaking, going back, you know, 400 plus years from when we arrived here, we had to make sure that our kids were, you know, um, fully assimilated and they changed their names and, and they, they were quiet and, you know, children are seen, not heard and all of these things in order to literally keep them with us and not, you know, have our children ripped, you know, away from us or to keep them alive. Um, to try to make their, 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 their road in life as easy as possible. So you, you've forced that assimilation on, you know, your kids, you, you did whatever you could to, to keep them with you and to try to keep them as safe as possible in today's world. What we, what we know, what we have language for now is forcing your children to be something for folks that are, are so committed to oppressing them is child abuse in my opinion. Um, it, and it's really not that hard to just love your kids and, and commit to not believing that kids are disposable. Um, and when those kids become adults, same rules apply. Not hard, not hard at all. Um, and it doesn't require you to be, you know, a Mensa member to, to know that I can keep loving my child even if they're not a mirror image of me. And it's okay. And we're all going to be okay. I don't know if I've ever cried that hard during a response during Getting Curious, the podcast. That was like gorgeous. That was like the sweetest, most authentic, gorgeous thing anyone's ever said on this. Like literally. Um, this is like, it's about, sometimes the vitriol, I just notice a lot of times the vitriol for, uh, gender nonconforming trans people, especially young people. It's like you scratch the surface and it's like a hardcore, like religious conservative in some, you know, realm. And then right now, obviously there's like so many states that have like so much deeply transphobic, like really problematic ever growing in its um, overreach and like scariness and like dictating who kids have to be. And I've been thinking about this a lot. It's like, so many people's like religious beliefs have really become like inextricably tied into law and and like where our opinions come from. Just because you're taking a quote out of like something that in like some random book in the Bible that was like taken out of context with like a whole bunch of other stuff, like that ain't it. It's just not it. And 
I'm so sick of like us compromising everybody's like safety and peace. Cause like the peace line, wow, it is non-negotiable, but we're sacrificing like so many people's like peace and well-being and like right to live, like based on somebody else's opinion. It, it just, it's so frustrating. You're, you're, you're absolutely correct. And I grew up in a very Catholic household. My mom, you know, every sentence is like me and father, so-and-so me and the sisters. My mom is like, teaches CCD. She's like that, that chick. But she also took us to our first gay pride parade in San Francisco in 1982. And she bought us all buttons that said straight, but not narrow minded, the little arrow. And she always said, I want to raise my girls with a world perspective, not a town perspective. My faith is my faith, but it doesn't mean that you have to be ignorant fools. And that's that's how my my very religious mother raises raised us. And she has, you know, uh, the union kids 2.0. My mom adopted three kids at the age of 60 and she's now 74 with two teens and a preteen. And it's the same. And your individual belief system does not have to lead to the oppression of others. It does not have to lead to the, um, the tearing down of, of, of civil and civil rights. It doesn't have to lead to um, the demonization of your neighbors and loved ones. It, it doesn't, it does not. Um, there are other ways to, to be, to practice and be, to be faithful without, leading to oppression. This is such a serious topic, but you really laid an information bomb in there. So so let me get this straight. Your mom adopted three kids and then those kids got Gabrielle Union as their sister? Sister. So, wow. You're just like minding your own business yeah. and then like... That is like the coolest story I've ever heard. And I would just be remiss if I didn't ask, had they seen Bring It On? <laughs> well, my one little sister, my middle little sister is a cheerleader. <gasps> too much? Story's too much? Oh my God. <laughs> she and one of my best girlfriend's daughters, like, and, and, you know, Zaya, they go to, to they are cheerleaders, like, you know, uh, you know, competitive cheerleaders and their coaches, they have coaches at that gym that we're in, bring it on. I'm going to have, I'm going like, uh, so to pass out. Did you lead with, you know, that I, you know, that I was ISIS. The literal main, you are the, the one. No. And they didn't. They're, they were like, no. I'm like, why? They didn't why? name drop you at cheer. No, no. Did they not realize how, transformative bring it on is to like the American cheer scene. I think they do. And I think they want it to be more anonymous. Not that they asked, but that's just not the time. I mean, when your mom is like the queen, it's okay to be like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take this spot right here. And I would really, you know, like for me, I was really wanting to be a back spot. Like I didn't want to be a base. Cause I was like, Oh my back. I, my mom's Gabrielle. I'm going to be the back spot. Sorry. I'm just, what, but your kids are really just such good people that that's just probably wasn't their truth. But like, ah, wow. Okay. Wait. So can we talk about cheer then? So you have, you have yeah. like family and kids. So how is that for you as a cheer parent? You don't want to just go in there and like, well, they don't allow us. They don't allow us in there. Parents cannot. See, that's smart. I would be the worst. I already know that I would be like that. Turning up on the news. 
I, you know, put a little tennis ball under the stair for that head girl that was making my kid the alternate for her to, I would be, I would be that cheer. I would be, I, that's why I don't have human kids. Cause I know I'm not mature enough for it. I'm not, I know I'm not. I'm not a great basketball parent. So I could about imagine like me, like as a, at a, you know, cheer competition. And so this year they'll be, you know, doing their cheer competitions and whatnot. Um, and so I don't know. I, I don't know. So what about for like tryouts? Do they have tryouts? Like, are you like, they already have them. So yeah. when they have to do it again, will you be like, okay, let mommy see. Like I did some choreography. I like did this. I've done, I got paid to do this before. So let's see the choreography. Or, or does that not happen? They No, they've seen me struggle do, learning TikTok dances. So I don't think uh, they think I have any ability at all. And they would not be wrong in that. Okay, I'm sorry that we're going to break into like a seven minute like interrogation to bring it on because like we didn't have a chance to do this like during Game of Thrones because we had to like shoot something. So does that mean I feel like I saw you at a lot of like like I feel like you were doing that choreo when you were shooting that like competition scene when you guys beat the fucking shit out of the Toros at the fucking end. So like you had to learn that, right? I had to learn that. We had nine days to learn all the routines that you saw the clovers do and bring it on. And the Toros had, I think they had like three weeks or something like that. Um, but we had less actors, you know, so we had, we only had me and the singing group black. Um, this was our first time acting. Uh, and then all the rest of our cheerleaders were like, you know, professional or college cheerleaders or whatever. So they just kind of threw us in routines. And of course the girls from black, they, 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 they just came off tour. So they know how to pick up choreography. Yeah. And I'm still back on step kick, ball change, ball change. What, you know, my baby takes the morning train. He was, uh, like, uh. that was kind of my, you know, uh, area of expertise. And so me trying to learn all that shit and I'm way older than everyone. I was like, I don't remember that song from bring it on, but you're talking about, it was like from some other class or so you're like in jazz. Yeah, like, I'm just not the best dancer. So they threw us in there. The girls from black got it right away. And I'm like, fuck. And so there's, there's a lot of tight shots where, you, you know, out of necessity, cause I don't match anybody else. Um, was there anyone from like the production was like, um, yeah, we just like really need you to hit these like high V's a little bit harder. Like, can we just clean up this like five, six, seven, eight a little bit? Like, or, or oh, yeah. we just like, no. or are you just like, I'm doing the best I can, like get away from me. Like, no, I mean, I'm a gamer. So like, you know, when it was time, I, I'm a gamer, but if somebody were to like, when people are like, do it right now. And I'm like, yeah, no, like I don't, it's gone. It is poof gone. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember the first part, but that's about it. The rest is like over. So you I do remember it. the first four counts? Some, I think it's, but it's I really could. like this, ah! you know, thing, thing. but yeah, ah! for the most part, it's gone. It's gone. Um, so the part when you had to come to the um, Toros uh, game and then like bust them out on copying, you tried to steal our bit, but you look like shit. Cause we're the ones who are down with it. Um, 
Was that like the most fun? Like, was it as fun as it seems like it was? Like, I feel like when I saw that in the theaters, I feel like I literally was the only, cause I'm in like, I'm from like a 97% like white people town. And I also went to see that like with my whole like white girl cheer squad. And when that part happened, like literally the entire theater was like, <gasps> and I was like, yes, bitch. Get that bitch. Yes. Like I was so team Clover is like, not to be like, I was like, but, but I really like, I just intrinsically was like, I just, I like the uniforms better. Your pep rally routine stole my heart. That, pep rally scene is so good it, like so, obviously you were there I was there what was your most fun scene for you as like an actress the most fun oh well <laughs> I mean we had a ball doing the whole thing so but we we're like you know we were very uh we were a little wild back then I mean <sighs> The funnest thing to shoot was the the big competition scene at the end. That final scene is so good because you, when you fun. guys go up under that tent and you're like, wait, but don't you guys, you guys kind of like make a little bit of peace at the end, aren't you? Then you're like, may the best woman win. And then you guys go in. And, and yeah. And then at the end, which, you know, I wrote, the, you know, this whole chapter about like being very, you know, having a lot of regrets about, you know, what I did and didn't do with ISIS. I had the ability to, to allow her to be anything. And I chose, you know, to kind of mute her, to sort of muzzle her and, and strip her of a, of a bit of her humanity and the ability to be angry, the ability to be like really angry at the harm caused that, you know, I, I wanted her to be likable at the end of the day. I didn't want her to be thought of as a stereotype and all of uh, these things was just like constantly sort of watering her down. So um, in the, in, by the end scene where Kirsten says, and you know, you guys were just better than us. And Isis goes, we were, huh? Like a fucking question mark. You know, goddamn well, we were better than you guys. And what I should have said is, yes, when the playing field is truly level and you had to do your own fucking work, you weren't fucking good enough. So take that L and put it in your pipe and fucking smoke it. I'm going to be over here gloating with my trophy and my teammates. Um, but black girls aren't allowed to be, you know, angry or, or to state facts that are no matter like already in evidence, you're not allowed to raise your voice. You're not allowed to be cocky. You're not allowed to have, you know, confidence. It, all of that just gets stripped away. And what, what annoys me most is that I did it to myself. I did it to this character. And at the end of the day, there was a meme going around last year around the 20th anniversary of um, bring it on. And it was like talking about movie villains. And in one of those memes, it was Isis. And I was like, that's fucking dark. She's, she is a villain for wanting to acknowledge and have some accountability for her work being stolen. And all of the resources that come when a school wins nationals and all the, the money and the accolades and the attention that was erroneously going to, you know, the Toros should have been in a marginalized, you know, school for, with, you know, a, a squad that could have absolutely used the dollars and the recognition. And she never asked her to renounce those past titles that were, you know, achieved. Stolen. Stolen. They, they just show up at the root. They just show up at the game. They don't say they stole. I mean, it's implied, but she doesn't have the opportunity to be 
openly angry or openly frustrated. She always had to take the high road. And let me tell you about the fucking high road. It sucks. There's a reason why the high road is empty. Because you know what, you, you, you think you're being classy and above it all, but what you're really doing is for people who have harmed you, you're sending the message that it wasn't that bad by, you know, I'm not even going to respond. I'm not going to dignify that with an answer or I'm going to, you know, rise above it. But you, are you really rising above it? Cause what you're doing is, is your silence and your passiveness is complicity is being complicit to the bullshit and the fuckery. So call yourself whatever you want, but you are contributing to the harm of the next person. If you don't really show the full scope of the harm caused. And when you strip people of their, their right to be angry or frustrated or sad, you're doing a disservice to yourself and and your, and your community. And so I had to apologize to ISIS and she didn't have a last name, nor did any of the Clovers have last names. But all, but the, all the girls on the Toros did. Yes. Oh, I hate that story. And the nine days, first three weeks thing, there was like literal racism behind and on. And as I was just talking about, it's like that movie was like when you th- is not was is it's such a like, it seems like it's this true. It's kind of like every other thing I loved in the nineties, the Olympics, beauty pageants, pop tarts, like all shit that turns out like deeply fucking not that great and really fucking corrupt. And like, that's usually why I don't know how to take care of myself. Cause like I got modeled all this like fucked up shit from the media. That was like, not the fucking tea. I hate that fucking story. Although I would just say this as like a, uh, cause that was, let's think about 2001, 2000, bring it on. Uh, yeah, 2000, 2000. 2000. So mm-hmm. for like a ninth grade white kid on like, uh, you know, my JV squad was thousand all white squad, but varsity, we had like some fierce fucking black girls were just, but now I'm thinking like, why did that movie make like, but then also I would just say for you, like, it's just, it's a really layered movie that like as a younger white kid, like I didn't realize like how layered and how multifaceted, but just for me to you as like a major fan and like who I like love so much, it was like 2000. And I think that like, you know, be a little bit like compassionate with yourself. Like you did it. I mean, society did this to you. Like I'm sure like you were probably like led to feel a lot of these things like, Oh, I need to water it down. Like, let me, you know, Oh, no, like, this down. And like, time, I was so invested in being fully assimilated because they tell you in order to achieve the, the American dream, you have to fully assimilate into <laughs> away from who you are, anything about yeah. you and what makes you great. We want the opposite. And I mean, and, and I, and I wish it was just a bring it on thing, you know, cause you know, last year when we were doing all these panels and it was me and, and, and Kirsten and, and, and Peyton Reed are, director and our writer, we were doing all these panels. And this journalist said, do you realize that not only did ISIS not have a last name, your characters in She's All That nor 10 Things had last names, but everyone else in those movies had first and last names. And I was like, I don't. And the fact that I just didn't notice, you know, it just lets you know that you can sleepwalk through so much of your life And when you become aware, you can never go back. Or for me, I cannot go back. But yeah, I I just spent a lot of time like in in denial about reality and what 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 it really was and the harm that 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 it causes. So many communities, you know, um, 
And they, cause they, they fully make you believe that if you just do all of these things, if you just work hard, if you just go to this college, if you dress this way, if you act this way, if you speak this way, then there's this pot of gold, you know, um, anything's possible. And you do all of those things and you're like, wait, hold on. <laughs> I got a lump of coal. What happened? <laughs> just to be like, okay, not double already on that. Cause yes. However, Again, like to a ninth grade, but now I still kind of stand by it as like a 34 year old, even though you're like, I guess we were, ah, it's almost like you were like, yeah, we were, ah, ah, you know, like a little bit like, you know, you're giving like her the, huh, cause like, that's what you do Taurus, bitch, but like, I'm a clover and like, I'm actually gonna like go be like, fuck off. And also you do in this movie have some of the most hardcore, gorgeous, just like, you know, you know, is because like even some of that I was cute. Well, not, but it's more than cute. It's like no, but it's like, bitch, I have your number. Okay. And some of that stuff that you're saying that you wish that you would have said, I don't know if it's because of like just that I agree with it so much, but I feel like you got that through in some ways from like even just the tonality. And I feel like people, even like, because I saw like in the depths of middle America, like people watch this movie like in real time. And I feel like at the beginning of that movie. You work like it starts like, oh, no. And then by the end, everyone's rooting for you. Everyone's like so happy. Well, clearly not yeah. everybody. But there was a meme about her being a villain. And like, well, I mean, in 2000, I mean, like, I mean, like when people oh, were watching it, like yeah. in the moment, like yeah, I feel like people. Back like, in the day. Yeah, like, I mean, obviously with, like, our lens now and, like, realizing that, like, everything we ever liked was, like, really fucked up and problematic in, like, all sorts of different ways because of, like, capitalism, racism, the patriarchy, like, all of it. Yes. But I'm just saying, uh, you are amazing in that movie. And you did get through elements of that, even in a world that didn't want you to. And I just love you so much. It literally hurts. And I know that you have a heart out, but I could honestly like interview you like once a week for the rest of my life. Can we please have you back on Getting Curious someday? Because I have like a whole other segment that I didn't get to, but I just like literally a whole other segment. I love you so much. It like, it actually hurts. Like, I don't know what chakra, but I just respect you so much. And I love you so much. And just your light and your radiance and everything that you're doing. Wait, and actually, because what are you doing? Where can people find you? What can, where can people get the book? Where can people, because you have a gorgeous hair care brand, honey. If you got, if you need your hair care brand, where can people follow you? Where can people support your stuff? Um, well, I mean, Flawless uh, by Gabrielle Union in partnership with Larry Sims, who's my hairstylist extraordinaire and, you know, celebrity hairstylist to all the girls. Um, yeah, you can get our, our hair care line at Sally Beauty, Amazon. We're about to be in another big uh, store that that announcement will be coming soon. Yes. Um, we've got Bitsy's, um, Bitsy's Brain Food for healthy snacks for kids. That is going to be in Walmart uh, next month. We're super excited about that. Um, oh, the New York and Company clothing line is back. I was able to, to bring that back once uh, they got out of bankruptcy. And so we're really excited about that. And just to circle back to, to put a little button on it. The reason I had to revisit Bring It On is because we were talking about doing a sequel and everyone agreed that the sequel that, you know, all of the, the OGs would be a part of would center the Clovers yes. and ISIS and, you know, be written by a, you know, a, a black writer. And for me, in order to go forward, sometimes you have to go back. So in wanting in us all wanting to make this bring it on sequel that just comes for everyone's necks, it was like, okay, let's go back and figure out where we had gone wrong. And um, so, yeah, so it's like a nice full circle moment. So hopefully all of this sort of um, revisiting of of past, you know, mistakes or choices, decisions, what have you, will lead to uh, a better, more nuanced, even more fierce sequel. 
Obviously, I'm like white. However, I can do what? a really great standing what? back handspring. I also have a really good tuck. I also can do choreography. So, like, if at any of the competitions, if there's, like, you know, some, just anybody who you need to do some gymnastics in the background, I don't even need a speaking role. I can just stand in the background somewhere. I swear to God, I won't spike the lens. Like, I just, like, I can just, I don't even need to be a principal extra. Just, like, I will come at any call time. Just, honey, I'll do run up back handspring. What do you need? Any squad, anywhere, any, I just, you know, anywhere would be appropriate. I know we're centering the gorgeous clovers. I love that story i could even be in like bring it on 17 you know the toros return to you know being e-list i don't know um but i just i just you know if you ever need me to come do anything for anything i'm your person i will even if you just need me to like lay on the ground for you to like walk over a puddle on your way to set like i i'm your person okay i literally am i have you listen say less you had me at hello you're on the squad Yes! Uh, Anywhere where it's appropriate, you know, obviously. Gabrielle, I love you so much. I know you have to go. I will literally let you go now. Everyone, you can follow Gabrielle on the links uh, that you're listening to this episode on. Thank you so much. Oh my God, I love you so much. I don't want this to be over. Okay, I love you. Mm. You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Van Ness. My guest this week was Gabrielle Union. You'll find links to her work in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. Our theme music is Freak by Quinn. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. If you enjoyed our show, introduce a friend, honey, and show them how to subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at CuriousWithJVN. Our socials are run and curated by Emily Bossick. Our editor is Andrew Carson. Getting Curious is produced by me, Erica Ghetto, and Emily Bossick. <laughs>